Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And now, live on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app, it's Gabe Ramirez. Shout out Rebecca Black. She's pretty awesome. <clears throat> What's up? It's Gabe. Semi-horse, but here still ready to kick it on a Friday. I started my Friday yesterday, so that's why I sound like this. But Studs, how did you know that that song is in heavy rotation on my Spotify playlist? That's a, that's a great job right there, bro. I didn't know. I, I guess I just kind of... I, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be on everyone's Friday playlist, right? It should be. It really has to. I actually... Funny story. I have a, a cousin-in-law who every Friday since... I don't know how long. I don't know when or why he started doing this. He he posts the YouTube the video for this song every single Friday on Facebook. That's he aggressive. posts it. It's <laughs> hella aggressive, and, right and there. And now it's become a thing where you're trying to be the first one to comment on it. All right. Well, um, we are going to be hanging out with you. You know, typically ten years ago, I'd be out getting ready to party. Now I get to talk to you guys on six seventy to score, and we'll start the show the way we always do, regardless of whether it's a Friday or not. I call it the trifecta. These are the top three stories that have been in my brain all day today in no particular order. Three, that's a magic number. Morrell going to third. He will slide. He's got a triple. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. It's over. The Bulls win. That's a thunder. Number three. Number three story that's been in my mind has been the NFL Awards show yesterday. Not only was it cool to see DeMar Hamlin with just... Everyone that sort of helped him in that precarious moments on stage with him, obviously very emotional, heartfelt. Um, and that was just super cool to watch and, and just experience. But the awards themselves were something that I was paying attention to. You know, I had Pat Mahomes on my fantasy football team all year. So in my heart, he was the MVP. But I was curious to see what the awards and how they would play out. It's like you look at these awards and you, you all, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I just look at my roster on fantasy football and I think to myself, like, where did I mess up? And so when you look at these awards, that's exactly what I do. So offensive player of the year, Justin Jefferson. In one league, I had like, I don't know, a third pick in the draft or something like that. And two running backs had gone off the board. And I thought to myself, Cooper Cup's going to have a phenomenal year. We were in a PPR league. Justin Jefferson was there. And Justin Jefferson was on my team last year. 
But I'm a guy that doesn't like to have the same people over and over again because they're just, it's they're inevitable that they're going to have a down year. And I just assumed Justin Jefferson would have that. But of course, you didn't because that's the luck that I have. And Justin Jefferson took home offensive player of the year. Of course, Cooper Cup going down a little bit uh, after halfway past the season. And Justin Jefferson just continued to dominate. What a stud he is. He's just so cool. He's just a phenomenal athlete. And I was really, really happy for him that he ended up winning the Offensive Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year, surprising to some. Most of Michael Parsons from the Dallas Cowboys would walk away with the victory, but Nick Bosa from the San Francisco 49ers took home the award. And what an award, right? Think about that. It's so hard to play defense in the 2022 NFL season where so many calls are placed against you. But to be the best defender in the entire NFL, you got to tip your cap to a guy like Nick Bosa. When it comes to the the offensive um, awards, excuse me, the Rookie of the Year awards, yeah, the Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, both going to guys from the New York Jets. Oddly enough, Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver for the Jets, taking home Offensive Rookie of the Year, Sauce Gardner, Defensive Rookie of the Year, which was really cool to see. And because not only was Garrett Wilson really good, but, you know, their, their running back was really good as well. So, could have gone either way. Obviously, he got hurt earlier in the season. Imagine if that team had a quarterback. Dude, imagine if Zach Wilson was supposed to be who he was supposed to be. Imagine if they had Justin Fields with those guys. Little little uh, reunion with Garrett Wilson and Justin Fields. That would have been disgusting. Uh, but either way, those two guys took home that award. Coach of the year goes to Brian Dabble. Um, someone that most people, or some someone that some people, most people, a lot of people thought should have been the coach of the Bears. But he had a better team. That's why he ended up coach of the year. Obviously, taking them to the playoffs. Comeback player of the year. I think this one was extremely obvious. Geno Smith, he said the haters were calling him, but he didn't respond, right? So he ended up taking home the right, award. Real, real quick, here's the problem. What's what did he come back from? From being bad? Yeah. That's not coming back from anything. That's, that's, exa- what that's, mean, not, that's, that's exactly what coming back. You're, well, you, you were bad, and now you're good. Yeah. That's not coming back from well, anything. Well, then what should the comeback player they of the year they, be? They, somebody they got hurt? Re-name, it. rename the award. But it should be somebody that got hurt? No, it doesn't necessarily need to be someone that got hurt. So then, wait, if, what's the criteria then if it's not someone that was bad and then now it's well, good i i tend to lean to, more towards like people that you know yeah they got hurt or something like that or or <laughs> so yeah you're right hurt. okay or or someone that was good and then and then stumbled a little bit or something and then like came Gino back Smith? and then came back to be good <laughs> Gino Smith was never good i got hurt he was supposed to be the man over there i hear what you're saying though you're i, I think what you're trying to say and i think and i could agree with this argument is someone that has been middle of the road their entire career and then all of a sudden, it takes their, their 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 game to the next level, but that's not comeback. There's a, it's there's a better name for it. Shouldn't be comeback player of the year. Is I'm okay with Geno Smith winning the award. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. In principle, like it's there's got to be a better way to phrase it than right. comeback player of the right. year. Um, year breakout o- player of the year would be better. Breakout player of the year, year over year player, of the year, <laughs> player of the year. Most improved player. Most improved player. That's what it should be called, not comeback player. I, I, I will agree with that. And then, of course, as I mentioned before, MVP going to Pat Mahomes. Shout out to him. I'm glad that he ended up winning that one. Um, could have been a Chicago Bear, but I don't want to go there. All right. Number two. Number two. Number two, man, yesterday was probably, I mean, there's been a lot of frustrating losses for the Chicago Bulls. But last night had to be one of the worst. Levine with a pull-up left side three air ball. And the Nets come away with a rebound. Who else but Cam Thomas? He's going to trot over the midcourt line. This crowd here in Brooklyn of 16,938. A lot of Bulls fans here in the New York metropolitan area. But the Bulls are going to suffer this defeat. Yep. 116-105 the final here. 
in Brooklyn. Ah, it was so frustrating to watch that game. I mean, there's so many things that I'm going to talk about regarding the Chicago Bulls over the course of the rest of the show, but that one hurt. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie, he always kills the Bulls. A guy like Cam Thomas, who'd been scoring 40 points a game, he thought he was going to kill. He didn't. It was like just so many things going on in that game. But Charles Barkley pretty much summed up every Chicago Bulls fan's thoughts. Are these teams making the playoffs? What was your answer, Chicago and Brooklyn? Well, Chicago's embarrassing. I have zero idea what they're doing. They should have, I told you a month ago, they should have blown, two months ago, they should have blown that team up. They're losing to this team, which is awful. And you're like, what are the Bulls doing? So well, what was the answer? Who's making the playoffs? Well, I thought the Bulls were going, well, the Bulls should make His the playoffs. Shout out to TNT for that one. Obviously, they do a phenomenal job with their coverage. But the conversation continued, and the question was asked, like, what are the Bulls missing? Chicago had a five-point lead going to the fourth quarter. <laughs> I know what Chicago's missing. They missed well, the point guard. Michael Jordan. Oh, without question. Scotty, Michael Jordan. Scotty They were a decent team last year. Craig Hodges. Dinwiddie. Luke Longley. Luke Longley. Stop it. <laughs> Craig Hodges. You can't say that. Missing Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Missing Michael Jordan. Um, but, uh, listen, you're calling, like, it's like so stupid for you to say they're missing a point guard. Of course they are. And then, then you mentioned his name, which sounds even more foolish. But something that they said in the very beginning of that clip was that the Bulls were up five going into the fourth. And I'm going to spend just, just a baby little second right there. Zach Levine was the one that had taken them to the promised land to give them that lead by five. What happens at the start of the fourth quarter? I understand you need rest. But Zach Levine hits the bench and then doesn't come back in the game for like four minutes. DeMar DeRozan's there. He's supposed to be taking the brunt of the offense. By the time they call a timeout with eight minutes left to go, DeMar DeRozan hadn't hit a field goal, and then the Bulls were down five. That was the big swing. And then you put Zach back in the game, and you expect him to be the Zach that he was in the third quarter, but that can't be the case because the rhythm's all off now. If you look at the amount of field goals that DeMar DeRozan had in the fourth quarter, which I know he does, Consistently, that's why they call him the king of the fourth, king of the mid range. But it just didn't materialize yesterday, and that's why the Bulls won. And it goes back to my big gripe with Billy Donovan. These rotations suck. Your rotations suck. Like, I, dude, I don't want to. I don't want to go into this. But when you, there was a moment in the fourth quarter where it was the big three: Zach, Vooch, Demar, and then. Ayo Dusumu and Goran Dragic. You hadn't seen those five together on the floor, I don't think, like in three games. Like, and now all of a sudden they're on the they're in the game with seven minutes left to go. Like, what is going on? Then Goran gets subbed out immediately for Alex Caruso. But again, it's about the synergy. It's about the, the momentum. It's about the game flow. I think that's what's lacking. Bulls in spurts play well, but there's so, something happens with the rotation. Of, of, of players that throws off the flow of the game, and that's why they come into these droughts, and that's why they end up losing. And Again, we'll talk more about that a little bit later in the show. Number one. Ah, now, one thing, wasn't it crazy to hear yesterday that the Bulls were one of two teams, only two teams in the NBA, that did not make a move? The Bulls and the Cleveland Cavaliers. That is unreal. So, we get an opportunity to kind of look at the trade tracker and just kind of see what happened. I mean, so much movement yesterday, and it might have been difficult to keep up with. But the biggest name, obviously, Kevin Durant going to the Phoenix Suns. T.J. Warren, a guy that I really like, uh, obviously played a lot with Indiana. He makes his way over to the Suns. Nets get Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, two guys that I really admire. 
and then like 200,000 first round and second round picks, which was wild. Um, that was a four-team team trade. Jay Crowder, who didn't want to be in Phoenix anyway, makes his way over to the Bucks. George Hill, Serge Ibaka, Jordan Noir, a former Bull, they go to the Pacers along with some picks and such. Um, and then there was like a bunch of like smaller guys, right? Like the Clippers getting Mason Plumlee for Reggie Jackson, which I didn't understand that. Reggie Jackson's a guy that they really need, a point guard that can score. 76ers, if you go to listen, I mean, if you are a true NBA fan and you go listen to what Doc Rivers said about uh, Matisse Thibel getting him off the squad and why they brought in Jalen McDaniels from the uh, Portland Trailblazers, just a weird trade. Obviously, Josh Hart, part of that four-team deal as well, going to the Knicks. Another uh, Clippers were also involved in a big trade with uh, that included John Wall, which I thought was weird. They did everything they could to get him to the Clippers, and then they get rid of him so that, that way he can get a buyout from the Rockets, which they said they're going to do. But what did they want instead? A guy like Eric Gordon, a guy that can knock down threes, a guy that's been there before. Um, some other moves, obviously, Justin Jackson going to the Thunder, Mike Muscala, Muscala going to the Celtics. That was another head-scratcher. Um, uh, Gary Payton the second, who now just failed his physical, which might make this four-team trade, uh, put it in jeopardy with James Wiseman going to the Pistons. Odd. The best player in that trade, Sadiq Bey. Stud. Stud. If you watch any Bulls games against the Pistons, Sadiq Bey is a killer. And now he's on the Hawks. Not that they need more offense. Um, but again, a slew of other moves and trades that took place. D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt going to the Lakers. Mike Conley going to the T-Wolves, which I think is really good. Pairing him back up with Rudy Gobert. And then, of course, somebody that we'll talk about in just a little bit, Russell Westbrook going to the Jazz. Uh, teams assuming they're going to buy him out of his contract. And uh, Adrian Wojcicki saying that uh, the Bulls are the front runner to land a guy like Russell Westbrook. All right, that is your trifecta, ladies and gentlemen. Right here on 670 The Score. I am Gabe Ramirez. Um, shout out to everybody listening on the Odyssey app. Make sure you guys go download that thing so you can listen to The Score everywhere you go and every single one of our stations across the country under the Odyssey umbrella. You can also listen to the podcast that you miss from the guys here. Every show comes in a podcast form. Mully and Hall, Parkinson Spiegel, Bernstein and Holmes, Rahimi on Wednesday, even my show itself, all of them are on there. So you guys make sure you download that. Shout out to everybody listening on the HD2 channel, 104.3 HD2. Now, quickly, Russell Westbrook. Studs and I were talking about why I think he'd be a great fit for this team. The Bulls need someone to push the pace. If you've been watching these last couple of games, I've been talking so fast in the last couple of minutes. Ayo Desumu does has been doing a phenomenal job pushing the pace. You heard Billy Donovan say it in timeouts. He's been imploring him to do just that. But Russell Westbrook, who, who pushes the pace better than Russell Westbrook? Not only that, he's also a triple-double machine, right? You need the guards to crash the boards more. You need more than just Vooch getting 17 boards a game so you can get somebody else like a Russ that can get rebounds. That's going to be important. And then last but not least, let's not forget, Russell Westbrook still averages close to 10 assists a game. And that's what you need from a point guard. And how does he get them? With the driving kick, right? How does he get it? Having defenders draw towards him because he's a threat going to the rim. Now, if he if if the guys he's passing to is if the guy he's passing to is Zach, if the guy he's passing to is Vooch off a of pick and roll, if the guy he's passing to is DeMar DeRozan to hit the mid-range, that sounds extremely dangerous or more dangerous than the Bulls are right now. But the Bulls, again, one of two teams that did not make a move heading in to the trade deadline, which I thought was crazy. But Arturis Karnasovas, he was on with Mully and Hall this morning. Did you miss it? Why? You should have set your alarm. I mean, AK, after the trade deadline, finally talking and having to answer some questions, it was must-listen to 
Radio. Now, after the trade deadline of not making any moves, AK said that the goal right now is very simple. This group has to figure it out, how to win games. Now, right now, the goal is to be in the playoffs. Uh, the, the fact that we flipped the script on last year and we beating good teams and losing to below 500 teams, at least we stand in games and we're very competitive. Uh, we lost a lot of uh, close games, and that's where the frustration is because result, does, you know, that's what you know result is. Is our position right now? We we in the ninth place, and that's not where we want to be. Yeah, I mean, the goal is to make the playoffs, and he understands that if they miss and fall short of that, it will be a total disappointment. But we're going to talk more or about Arturis Karnasovas, the Bulls, and what he had to say tonight with Mullion Hall. We'll do that. Uh, before the close of the hour. But on the other side, we get an opportunity to talk to Andrew Brandt about everything under the sun. He is the host of Business of Sports podcast uh, for DraftKings. He's also a writer at Sports Illustrated and has a extremely long resume. And we get an opportunity to talk to him about uh, the big game happening this weekend, a lot of moves, and you know, try to pick his brain on some other stuff. We'll do that on the other side. Andrew Brandt joins the show. It's Gabe Ramirez and 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Howie Roseman, in my eyes, if it's not him, it will be uh, Greer, the general manager uh, down in Miami, will be the executive of the year. 
because they did exactly what they should be doing. They're building around young quarterbacks on their first contracts, and they're spending the money and making the trades in the right way. And I think that's what Ryan Poles decided to do when he traded, uh, you know, his two defensive stalwarts, and he brings in, you know, a wide receiver from Pittsburgh, albeit, you know, maybe not all that sexy at the moment, but maybe next year it will be uh, with Chase Claypool. Of course, that was Boomer Esiason giving praise to Howie Roseman, to Ryan Poles, and the direction of the Chicago Bears. And I think that's something that we're all interested in. Where can the Bears go from here, and how big of a jump can they make? Uh, right now, we get an opportunity to talk to someone who, who's, who's been there, who understands the ins and outs of it. Joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, former NFL exec, he is also the host of the Business of Sports podcast and writer at Sports Illustrated. Of course, we are talking about none other than Andrew Brand. Andrew, good evening. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Okay, good to be with you guys. Yeah, Andrew, now, first and foremost, I mean, you know, you obviously just wrote a, a great piece, uh, Mr. Roseman himself. And, and when you – are, do you see any similarities? When you look at a guy like Ryan Poles, I mean, I'm sure you've seen what he's done this year, you know, the position that he's in right now with the salary cap that he has and, and the draft position that he's in and the moves yeah. that he's made. Do you see any similarities between the two? Well, Eagles uh, are and were coming into the year – at a much more advanced stage than the bears. But what, you know, the obvious example, the obvious comparison is quarterbacks and rookie contracts. Even though fields was a first round pick and hurts a second round pick, you get so much value out of that position. It's the most valued position in my undervalued position, in my opinion, in all of sports, when the player is starting in those rookie first three years of their career, because now you have a player making I don't know, $2 million a year, $4 million a year, when similarly situated players around the league are making $40 million a year. So you can use all that savings to build other parts of the team. But what the Eagles have done is combined the two parts, which is building through the draft, but also soaking in free agents around them and really signing their core players into long-term extensions at great value. Um, Roseman has used his background, which Poles does not have, in terms of negotiating business, cap contracts, the things that I did for the Packers those 10 years, and really leverage that into these great negotiations, whether it be for player contracts, for trades, for moving around the draft, for sort of getting over on other GMs. And that's really worked to the Eagles' advantage. Yeah, Andrew, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously, having that in his back pocket gives him that gives him that advantage, and and obviously, you know, having a team that is better suited uh, to add those pieces in the present gives him that yeah. uh, that as well. And you know, I often think of this in my head, Andrew, when it comes to the two approaches that NFL teams are faced with: get a get a young rookie quarterback and use the cap to build around it, or yeah. you know, bring in some sort of veteran quarterback that you feel can elevate your team that is already good which which of those approaches do you think is is better yeah i wish there was the right answer i mean (laughs) i mean the one thing i'll push back on and i do this all the time because i think it's become kind of a a trope out there about young quarterbacks a team should not what am i trying to say there should not be an excuse for not having a super bowl ready team just because you're paying a top tier quarterback that is a cop-out in my mind. 
because let's just look at the facts. You have a $220 million cap. If you're paying a quarterback $40 million, you know, the cap number is going to be lower than that. And, you know, you have half your team, in the, in the Bears' case, probably three-quarters of your team, on rookie contracts, give that a cap number for each player of a million dollars, say it's 30-something players. So you got over half your team, and you accounted for them at like $35 million. Now you've got a hundred and what ninety million dollars mm-hmm. for the rest of your team. I mean, this is not hard. What gets teams in trouble is not paying quarterbacks big money. What gets teams in trouble is pushing out cap problems into the future, and those players end up not being there. That's why you know pick a pick a team. That's why the Falcons are taking a forty million dollar number this year on Matt Ryan while he played for the Colts. I mean, this is what happens. That's the problem with cap management. It's not paying quarterbacks. So I just never understood, like, oh, my God, you got to pay a quarterback. Well, that's the name of the game. And, you know, what, Patrick Mahomes is on a veteran contract. Jalen Hurts is on a rookie contract. It's okay. You can do it either way. I know, and people make such a big deal about it. And that's why I brought it up, Andrew, because I feel like it's almost as if teams now feel like that's the only way they can win something. But I think you're absolutely right when you put it in that space where, hey, it's just bad cap management. That's why you're that's why you haven't been able to do it. Don't blame it on the rookie or the right. veteran. It's 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 your it's your GM space or your you know the people that are in charge of, of the aspect of it. Now you look at the Bears, you know, obviously with the most cap money in the league right now, but I think a lot of people don't allow for the or are not thinking about the money that is going to remain. The assumption by the casual fan is that every dollar is going to be spent to bring in talent, which we know that that's not true. Uh-huh. So, so how how do you personally put value on that cap money in terms of personnel? Is it is it allocating a certain amount to a certain side of the ball, or is it position by position? Is it like how do you then look at that lump sum and yeah. try to you know, place a value on, on certain players and, and where that money goes. How, how does that even begin? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is understand cap management. Cap is very different than cash. I say this to people all the time. The best cap managers are able to load cap and cash in similar amounts. In other words, the teams that get in trouble will take a player, you know, a star player and give them a $30 million bonus and make it a signing bonus and spread it out over five years. So it's only counting $6 million a year. So you're pushing out $24 million into the future, and you're going to have a problem if you separate with the player. And you're basically trading short-term gain for long-term pain. The Bears have an opportunity with all this cap room to load cap and cash together and protect their future. In other words, they want to sign a player, and they want to give them $20 million in the first year. Well, give them a $20 million cap number, too. So it doesn't have to be signing bonus, which is prorated. It could be roster bonus. It could be salary. So that way, when you part with the player before the end of the contract, which inevitably happens, you've got no remaining cap. Money's off the books. Right, right, right. And when you have a $100 million cap room, you can now do this. You know, you sign a big-time free agent, you're going to give him $40 million in the first year. You can give him a $30 million cap number and protect your future. Most teams like the Rams, like the Saints, like the Steelers, I mean, what they're doing is just trying to get that cap number in your run as low as possible, but that's going to really hurt down the road. 
And you're seeing teams deal with that right now, like the Rams, like the Bucks, that are really having troubles with their cap. Absolutely right. And we're talking to Andrew Brandt right here on 670. The score, it's Gabe Ramirez right here on a Friday night. Now, you bring up a great point where the Bears have put themselves in a position where they don't have this lost or, or bad cap money to be you know, accounted for in the future. Um, so, so if you were the Bears, I mean, what positions do you value them? Or not even if you were the Bears. What position do you value the most, Andrew? Uh, knowing that you had a ton of money, what would you say to yourself? Well, I have this much money, so I know I'm going to put a higher value on X position. Well, I think that's pretty standard around the business of football that you allocate, you know, and, and quarterback is the, obviously the first priority. And people usually look to uh, left tackle or edge rusher, and they look to a shutdown cornerback. And what's really grown in stature over the last couple of years is a top-level wide receiver. And teams have different parties depending on the way they run their team. But it, you rarely see teams allocate a lot of cap and cash to positions like interior offensive line, center and guard. You rarely see it allocated to running back. You rarely see it allocated to safety and rarely tight end. So some, and then even linebackers. So you just sort of see this uh, hierarchy out there. And, um, you know, you look at the good teams around the league, they're pretty set at those positions in the game on Sunday. You've got, you know, edge rusher for the Eagles, Hassan Reddick. You've got the wide receivers. You've got the offensive line, defensive line. The the tackles are are two of the best in the league. So it tends to work out. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and obviously, I mean that that changes over you know the course of some decades, right? So mm-hmm. you know, you, you've been in the league since you know ninety nine. I mean, what, what's what's on a personal level? What what are some changes in the game? that you dislike, not necessarily just from, you know, the numbers standpoint, but just the game itself. You've been around it for so long and you've seen the ebbs and flows of it. What is, what, what's something maybe that's changed that you dislike, Andrew? Oh, that's a good question. You know, <laughs> it's as it, as the business, this is, Andrew, grows, this is a safe space, Andrew. I want to be very clear. Yeah. <laughs> as the business grows, you know, then it becomes much more. And again, this is my expertise it becomes less about the game and more about the business. And I understand that. I understand why people want to talk to me about that, but it has become much more of a commercial product and we'll see it on Sunday where, you know, you basically are allocating three hours, three and a half hours for 10 or 11 minutes of, of live action. And, you know, it's amazing to me still how popular this sport is when we demand that viewers spend so much time in, well, I don't know what they do, you know, <laughs> yeah. I guess you can watch a lot of replays and you can do gambling on your phone, but it's really a commercial venture now with a little bit of football sprinkled in. And it's so unreal when you watch it, Andrew, and because you're so captivated by it. I sit. I have the NFL app. I watch these games in 30 minute intervals. Oh yeah, where they condense them down, and it's it's you know it's like popcorn. I can't stop. I just I want more of it. You know, I just I can't get enough. But you're absolutely right. It, it has become that sort of spectacle. But you know, the the, the league itself is, is is headed in the right direction because more eyes are on it than ever before. Yeah, I mean. I'm asked all the time, you know, what do I attribute the incredible popularity of this sport to? It's hard 
I mean, there's a pageantry about it with the uniforms, with the line play, uh, with it just, you know, made for TV product. The fact it's only once a week, it works for television so well. But even with all that, you start seeing these viewing numbers, they're staggering. And I remember the days where the concussions were going to be a big problem in the strength of the league. And I remember the days where the Kaepernick thing was going to be a big problem. And you hear about all these different things and it just perseveres. And what the owners have done, I've been talking about this all week, watching Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving talk their way out of their teams. The owners have, even with this free agency, the owners have made this a product where there's a lot of certainty and fans know their team's not going to go through, undergo a lot of change, especially with the franchise tag. And that's not good for players, but it is good for fans. Fans want to buy in, and especially with quarterbacks, and know that they're not moving around like they do in the NBA. And it's just become this, I mean, the owner's got this great collective bargaining agreement. The owner's got this great TV contract. Franchise values are going north all the time. It seems really too big to fail. I mean, and that's, you can't say that about much in life, but it really is. It's unreal how the NFL can stretch it from the Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. Monday, and we're all still here at the edge of our seat waiting and wanting more. Uh, we're talking to Andrew Brandt right here on 670 The Score. It's Gabe Ramirez on a Friday night. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, Andrew, we think we have a good one here in Chicago. I'm interested in, in your assessment of Justin Fields. I didn't see a lot of games, but, uh, you know, he's got extraordinary uh, ability on the edge with his with his feet. I, you know, the quarterback side of it has got to be worked on in terms of the throwing and accuracy. They, they'll work on that. I mean, I, again, I'm saying this. I may, who knows, be proven wrong, but I think this idea of drafting a quarterback at number one is is fantasy out there. There's no way in my view that that would ever happen. The Bears are in this wonderful spot right now where where you have this asset and you don't need a quarterback, and you can use that to entice teams to give you multiple picks to use that to build the team. Um, The Bears, to me, are the Philadelphia 76ers of five years ago. They are the process. (laughs) They have torn the team down to the studs. Andrew, I'm trusting in it. I'm trusting in the process, Andrew. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm a Sixers fan. We got Joel Embiid and we got James Harden. We're doing great. But it started with that. And uh, I think that's the way to go. I mean, the the process was started by a guy that I know well named Sam Hinkie. Mm Mm-hmm. And his, I remember his statement to me when we talked on a conference together. He said, you know what? There's no reward in mediocrity. And that kind of sticks with me. Uh, that's a real sports building term now. There's no reward in mediocrity. So you don't want to be a team that's in the middle of the pack. And the Bears have gone, the, you know, they are clearly following that advice. Uh, they're just going to build. And they need a lot of pieces. You know, they don't have many dynamic players there. So that's got to happen. Yeah, but then you're absolutely right, though. I love I love the the, the mention by Hinky because he's absolutely right. I mean, you'll be the Indiana Pacers of the 90s, and no one wants to be that, right, where you're just stuck mm-hmm. in the 5, 6, 7 seed, and, and everyone knows you can't win. And that's why you blow things up. That's why the Brooklyn Nets did it um, this year. 
It's why the Bears got rid of, you know, Khalil Mack and, and, and Roquan Smith and, and Robert mm-hmm. Quinn because they understood, hey, this middle this middle of the road team is, isn't going to do much for that. Now, now a, a team that, that Bears fans and Bears alike are hoping to leapfrog and hoping that they end up in mediocrity is the Green Bay Packers and that, that, that it does depend on what happens with Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Do, do you think he'll stay in Green Bay one more year? And if not, what team do you think he might end up with? <laughs> yeah, I'm asked about this a lot, you know, with my background there and knowing Aaron. I don't know. I, I, you know, I get the sense there's change ahead. And I don't have an inside knowledge. I just feel like I was there. You know, we moved from Favre to Rogers. Aaron sat for three years in the bullpen. We finally gave him the keys. Jordan Love has sat for three years behind Aaron as a first-round quarterback. I just feel like that's the time. And maybe this is less about what the Packers want to do with Aaron, which more than what the Packers want to do with Jordan Love. Because if I'm running the Packers, it's going to be very hard for me to go to Jordan Love and say, hey, by the way, we're going to play you in your fifth year, not your fourth year. Mm. I mean, you imagine not getting to play till your fifth year. So I, I don't know how they handle this, but it seems like they're ready to go to love and they have, you know, the best asset trade asset in the league, even at age 39. Of course you want Aaron Rodgers If you're the pick a team, jets, Raiders, uh, saints, bucks, Titans, whatever it may be. Andrew, literally, so, uh, literally pick any team, and there would be a trade so partner. That means they can get a lot for him. Yeah. So uh, I feel like there's a change, but you never know with him. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think what you said about Jordan Love and sitting another year and, and having him, you know, try to have that conversation. I guess the part where that, that, in, that I think about the most is, you know, I don't want to say luck. Right when you have these two great quarterbacks with Favre and Rodgers that come back to back, and like you said, sitting in the bullpen, and the assumption is that that is the blueprint for the Green Bay Packers. But how likely is it that that then happens again? I think you know it was like a lightning in a bottle kind of a yeah. thing for to allow that for twenty some years, but then for it to happen again, not only would Bears fans hate that, but how likely is that to, to happen again? Bears fans gotta hate the Packers. Oh I my mean, God. Just- 30 years, and we, you know, we had a lot of success in my time against the Bears, and I felt because every time we played the Bears, there was some new quarterback, <laughs> and, and we had Brett the whole time, and then Aaron, you know, we didn't know Aaron would be Aaron, and no one knows what Jordan Love's going to be, mm. but we saw something in those first couple of years, and we felt like, wow, and we had young yeah, receivers coming up to our offices and saying, this kid's for real. And he's got an arm like we've never seen, even Brett. And he's got incredible accuracy and movement. And, you know, we were ready to do it. And I think they're ready to go to Love. And Love's not going to be Rodgers, maybe never, but certainly not the next couple of years. But, you know, you got to move forward. Yeah. And and I think Aaron feels that. Um, Like, you know, this idea you have to retire on the same team. I think we're beyond that. Yeah, it's not, not not that time anymore. Hey, Andrew, I appreciate you hanging out. Some great stuff right there. And I look forward to uh, having you back on the show again in the future. You got it. People are tweeting, like, I do this newsletter. So you just go to andrew-brandt.com, sign up for the newsletter. And then I'm doing these reels about things like this on Instagram. So my Instagram is uh, Andrew Brandt 2 
Yeah, I see it right here. I'll go ahead and give you a follow. Guys, make sure you do the same. Andrew Brandt, too, on Instagram. Andrew Brandt on Twitter. And then, of course, Andrew-Brandt.com so you guys can follow him uh, all, 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 all weekend long because you know he's going to be giving you guys some gems. Andrew, thanks again, okay? Thank you. Andrew Brandt, of course, former NFL exec for the Green Bay Packers. And uh, he's a writer for Sports Illustrated right now, as well as the host of Business of Sports podcast. You know, I'm, my degree is in econ, so like I'm a numbers nerd. So when he was talking, I was way in right there. I was like way in. I was following his numbers. I was mapping with him. I, I love that stuff like that. So I can't wait to to hear a little bit more from Andrew in the future. Um, all right, it's Gabe Ramirez right here on six seventy. The score. I promised you that we would uh, continue a little bit of conversation about AK, and I think with the little time I had left to have in in the uh, the hour, I'm going to go ahead and do that. So, what else did Arturis Carnisivis have to say about the Bulls' lack of movement during the trade deadline? We'll discuss on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez, 670 to score. Seven on the clock. Dinwiddie against Kobe White. Behind the three-point arc. Three on the shot clock. Dinwiddie, three crossovers. Comes up shooting and nails a three! Are you flat out kidding me? With the clock expiring right on the edge of the Three-point strike. Chuck Swirsky with the call right there, right here on 670 The Score, along with Bill Wennington and Lisa Bergamini. Bulls lose to the Brooklyn Nets 116-105. And after a game like that, if you're a Bulls fan, you just ask yourself, like, what the hell is going on? You, you, you make no trades. You're one of two teams that don't make a move, along with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then you lose to a squad that has nobody. It's like the Brooklyn Nets of like three years ago. It's four years ago, whatever. It was Spencer Dinwiddie took him to the playoffs. Like, what's going on here? It was frustrating to watch. But you know what? It was really cool that our station, my station where I worked, 670 The Score, had Arturis Karnisovis on the show, Mully and Hall, 8 o'clock today in the morning. And, you know, he doesn't make himself too available to these kinds of things. So it was really cool to be able to hear him firsthand and hear what he had to say. Now, First, the thing that threw me off was him was, first of all, when he said he'll know the direction of the team, he gave a specific time. And we're going to play that at the end. And I think you should be equally as frustrated as I am when you hear the time frame when he says when he'll know uh, what direction the Bulls are headed in. But before that, we got to talk about the trade deadline and, and what his thoughts are about trades that happen in season versus off season. The history will tell you that the, a lot of, uh, you know, trades at the trade deadline, you know, don't, don't help you the rest of the way, but probably it'll help you in the, in the, and, you know, during the draft and off season, because you have more time, you know, to, to put the team together. Uh, I think two years ago when we made a trade and we traded five players, uh, the result was the same. We, we missed out on the playoffs, you know, so it's, it's hard to make these kind of changes when, you know, you, you you change players, you know, you, uh, they come to you, they're still in shock, and you got 27 games left right now that you need some, uh, conti- you know, like consistency. Okay. I am not satisfied with that answer. One, because when you traded for Vooch, you, you were in the process of making a good team. You knew what you had, and so you, you can't use that as the measuring stick mix, missing the playoffs with Vooch because that wasn't supposed to be the fix-all, right? You still had moves to make in the offseason, like acquiring DeMar and Lonzo Ball. 
You cannot have that same mindset that trades don't have success in season when you go talk to the Phoenix Suns and see what they think about that comment. They're like, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. We just got Kevin Durant. We're straight. Go talk to the Minnesota Timberwolves who just got rid of D'Angelo Russell who was having issues with Rudy Gobert, and now they bring in Mike Conley, like the quintessential point guard, someone that can distribute the ball to everyone and make everyone feel better and, and play better. Like, what are you talking about? There are teams out there that have gotten better. And what are you going to say to this organization, or it's not the organization, the fan base and everything, when you do go get a guy like Russell Westbrook? It's the same thing. You didn't trade, but you brought him in, and he has to fit in. The idea is make your team better in the present. Understand that the window's there. You said He, he said the goal now is to make the playoffs. Well, I don't know what you would have to have given up in order to bring something in to help you make the playoffs, but you sure could have done something, anything. Look at the, look at the Celtics with Mike, Mike Muscala, a three-point shooter, three-point assassin, anyone. I think, I think more often than not, we get into the situation where sometimes less is more. And when you look at the Brooklyn Nets yesterday, without their two key pieces that they brought in from the trade, Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, it was less guys trying to do more. And you see that with the Bulls, when like a DeMar isn't there and it's just Vooch and Zach. Like the output is better. Like sometimes that's the case. And the Bulls have a lot of, they have a clog somewhere. And I pointed it out earlier, my big issue with the Bulls is the rotation. And if you just eliminate some of those guys, the rotation gets smaller and you're able to really have clear and defined roles and your team can be better. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Arturis also talked about maybe why no moves were made because there was more buyers in the market than sellers. We made a ton of calls. Obviously, we received a lot of calls. Um, uh, we had a lot of good players. And uh, the thing is that, you know, in, in, in this market, there were a lot of buyers, you know, and not a lot of sellers. Every team still thinks that they are still still in it. And that creates, you know, the market that it's, it's, it's very hard to make deals. And, uh, you know, we thought that the best opportunities for those deals are going to be during the draft and the free agency. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. Um, I, I do understand what he's saying, right? With the expansion of the playoffs, more teams want to make the make make it into the playoffs as opposed to vying for the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. I understand that. And the Bulls, I, I do also understand that because I'm a fan and I believe in this team, that the current roster gives you the best opportunity to make the playoffs. Like, had you gotten rid of some pieces, then maybe, and you wouldn't have got enough in return. Or you might not, I don't know. I don't know what was out there. He said a ton of calls were made and a ton of calls were received. I don't know what that looks like. I wish I could get a sheet that says everything that was on the table, and then I could just point to one and be like, well, that one, that's the one you should have made. But he did point out, during the interview with Mullion Hall today, what he felt like the Bulls were lacking. I think the, the three-point rate, we do admit that, you know, we one of the last teams in the league. However, we capitalize, and, and we have a lot of good, uh, you know, good shooters. Uh, we just don't generate enough. I mean, shooting is one of the things we're going to look at. Yeah, it's tough. I think, I think what happens a lot of times with this Chicago Bulls team is they get down too quickly on themselves. If you look at a guy like Kobe White yesterday, you know, didn't have the best game, and he'd been playing well. But it's like, shoot or shoot, 
you got to have that mindset. Like, I'm going to make these buckets, and I'm just going to put them up. And if I go two for six from the three-point line, and so be it. You look at a guy like Alex Caruso. I mean, I'm talking about role players that should be these three-point shooters, right? Alex Caruso. There was like two instances yesterday where he had a three and like had an open three, but pump fake and tried to get to the cup because he had missed one earlier in the game. Like sometimes I think they get down on themselves too much. Derrick Jones, I, like he, I think he's a good three-point shooter. But sometimes he's like, ah, should I be shooting this in this moment, taking a shot away from Zach or taking a shot away from Vooch? Vooch, think about Vooch when he's at the three-point line. Not that we want him shooting a high volume, but you don't think every time Vooch goes to take a three, he's not thinking about every single person saying that he shoots too many threes? So I think they get in their own heads too much. And you know what else they need? That that So every team goes through lulls in a game. Yeah, It's, it's very rare that you have a game where you're just up the whole sure. time, right? So... Every team goes through these lulls, and usually you have some kind of spark that kind of brings you back. Like, oh, okay, we're good. Yeah. You know? Bulls don't have that. Yeah. They so rarely have that, oh, man, someone threw down a monster jam, and that got the whole the whole place bumping, and now 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 they start rolling. Like, yeah. That never happens you're, with this with this team. You're absolutely right. And you look at yesterday's game, and you look at a guy like Joe Harris putting up six threes in the second quarter, like scoring 18 points in a quarter off just three-pointers, stole the soul of the Chicago Bulls, even though they battled back to take the lead. But that's what you're talking about, like the guys that can do that. And Kobe, I think he can be that dude. I think he has been that dude in certain moments. I mean, it's just it's tough. Yesterday, one for five just didn't look like himself. One for five on the three-point line, that is. All right, here's this clip I, was gonna, I told you I was going to play. And this is maybe frustrating to me because if you don't know the direction of the team right now, when, when will you know, AK? You've stressed your, your focus on the present, which obviously includes this finishing stretch of, of 27 games that remain. But looking beyond this, what is your long-term view and, and the timeline that you see for making enough progress, enough headway to become a championship-level team again? I think next one of seven games will uh, we'll further stress exactly where we're going. So we just it's going to be seen, you know, like I, I don't, I don't know where we're going to be um, mid April. Uh, and that's very interesting for me to find out. And once we have that result, you know, we can make adjustments and we can establish our direction. AK, don't you want to be playing in May? I hope you just don't know the direction after April. You should know it right now. You should know your team. You didn't make any moves. You have the same team you started with. You can't be saying, oh, well, Lonzo bought. Like, no. You know the direction. You should. He does. He does. As I'm saying that out loud, I realize he does. He just can't say that. All right, we're going to continue this Bulls conversation with our Chicago Bulls insider here at 670. The score, of course, I'm talking about Cody Westerland. What did he think about the game yesterday? Was he embarrassed to be a Bulls fan as I was? We'll talk to him after the break and get some more Bulls thoughts. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.